Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome to SaaS Backwards, a podcast that helps SaaS CEOs and CMOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. Our guest today is Gaurav Harodi. Today, we'll be talking about his sales enablement SaaS called Enablex. Gaurav, hi, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ken. Thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure. You're, you're at a really interesting time in your companies. Before we dig in on the company and the situation, tell us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about Enablex. Enablex is a sales enablement platform. And we started Enablex in 2016. So my primary background has been in enterprise sales and enterprise software product management. I spent most of my time in financial services industry, selling to big banks like fraud and money laundering prevention software. And one of the things that struck me was whether you are a big company or a small company, increasingly content was becoming important and enabling sales teams with the right information was critical. And that's what was the genesis of starting Enablex. So we initially started Enablex as like a knowledge management tool. To be honest, I didn't have that much visibility into the sales enablement industry, but as we started gaining customers and helping marketing teams enable the sales team, we moved our positioning into the sales enablement space and have been doing that for four years. So you're yet another founder of a SaaS company who was actually not a technologist or a software guy, really. Yeah. So I'm not a technologist. I mean, I've done a little bit of coding back in early 2000, but I understand technology, but I have not coded in the last like 18 years. I think that's really an important, maybe even a leading indicator of success here that knowing the business problem and really relating to the users, the the problems they're having in the field might be more important than knowing how to be a great keyboardist on the programming side. That's right. I always see myself as the product person. So like I know I'm very much interested in what takes the user, how you can make a better user experience. Not necessarily from the UX standpoint, but just the fact that people are busy, sales reps are even busier, marketing teams are busier, how you can make it easy to improve productivity, how we can make it easy to make their communications effective. I mean, that's what was sort of attraction for me in the, when starting Enablex. And I'm also of the opinion that for majority of the cases, you need a strong technologist. But if you are not building the next Google, there is lot of technology around us. You just need the right co-founder or the right partner to sort of like implement that technology. That's neat. I think, you know, we're sort of uncovering the idea that you can have a founding idea and really understand your potential customer pretty well. And then you can find the partner to help you build your vision. Yes, that- exactly. I'll say that it is hard to find the partner for some folks. I was lucky that I had worked with like some really strong technical architect. So I was able to like leverage that relationship, my time at Oracle and the relationships I had built. And that helped me build Enablex to the stage that where we are at. But yeah, that would be the playbook I would follow. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you started out a little bit different than what the product is today. So 
How did you go from your initial vision of being sort of a productivity and knowledge management tool to realizing that the future was in helping salespeople? Well, I think there were like two drivers for them for that decision. One thing which we noticed is that we recognized that there were like a lot of knowledge management tools, right? So the horizontal space of knowledge management was already crowded and there were pretty neat tools. So you would see like things like Confluence or there are other upcoming vendors like Notion is one of like the upcoming vendor like Evernote is seen by some people as knowledge management within teams and companies. I think that was like a great like horizontal play, but there wasn't anything specific for sales and marketing from a knowledge management standpoint. That's what we found at the time. So we said that, hey, why not like target like the marketing side of it? Because that's what our background was, number one. Number two, we realized that people don't pay that much for improving the productivity of an engineer. But people pay a lot if you are helping the productivity of your customer-facing team. So which shouldn't be the case, but that's the reality of the industry. Like a sales rep's time is more valuable than a developer's time or even like a product manager's time. So there was an opportunity to focus on that sales rep's productivity and get paid premium dollars for helping them to be productive. So those were the two sort of like indicators for us that, hey, we should move into like a marketing side. The customers that we acquired, it could be because of my network and that I knew most of the marketing and salespeople. We ended up supporting the marketing use cases. So the more we learned from the customers, the more it was like a natural progression for us into sales enablement. For an early stage company, I think, and we've heard this with a couple of the interviews we've done so far, really important to be listening to the feedback. You build your first idea, you build your first product, you bring it to people who might buy from you, and then you have to really be willing to listen to the feedback they offer. Exactly. And the first year, we just had two customers. So in early stages, not only are you listening to the feedback of the customer, depending on what your sales and go-to-market model is, we were also listening to the feedback from prospects, practitioners. We would say yes to any meeting, right? We knew that somebody was not a buyer, but hey, if they were a practitioner and they had worked in marketing space, even if they were like an independent consultant, we would say, yeah, happy to meet, give us your feedback. And that helped a lot. It's interesting that when we started out, we had like a certain user interface and we kept getting this feedback from prospects as well as from these practitioners saying that, hey, you know, you are selling to the marketers. This UI is good, but it's 2010-ish UI. We are now in 2016, 2017, going to 2020. Marketers are exposed to all different kinds of like appealing user interfaces. You may want to consider that. That was like just one feedback, which helped us a lot. So there were like several other instances of that. So you have to be willing to hear your baby isn't pretty, huh? Exactly. And it wasn't. So (laughs) at the time when we got that feedback, I think I've increasingly learned that the more we are closer to the product, it keeps increasing your risk of uh, losing your eye of what is needed versus what you think is needed. I want to make sure we tell people exactly what the product does. Because I think that it answers a real desire among marketing and sales people to work better together. We talk often about pain points in our uh, messaging and marketing work. 
but this is almost a longing that this product answers. So I'd love you to talk about that and exactly how the product helps answer that real desire for these teams to work better together. Sure. So the problem that we are solving is primarily like helping the purchasers have an easier path purchasing any technology, right? I mean, that's the outcome that we are trying to help. However, what happens in today's B2B companies is that you have the marketing team, you have the sales team, and there is a lot of like chatter back and forth going on between them. Like companies are investing in training, companies are investing in Slack channels, pushing content out to sales reps. The challenge is that it's all over the place and information like sales reps don't know what should be done when. And a lot of companies think that they do, they are investing in it, but majority of the companies are investing in what we call scripted enablement. So if you are a marketer, you will have a weekly Zoom call with your sales team or bi-weekly Zoom call, and you will just do like an information dump on like, hey, this is the new stuff that we are working. This is the new campaigns that we are running. Here is the messaging change. Here is the branding change. So it's all like in calls and live communication, which is, I'm not saying that's bad. I think it's needed because that helps with alignment. The problem is that when a sales rep absorbs that, we all know how little of that is retained over a certain period of time. But then sales reps goes out in the field and they face situations. They face their prospects, they face their buyer, and they need information. They need to send that introductory material. They need to send information on how they are different from a certain competitor. They need to answer buyers' detailed questions. So all these are difficult to script right? Because every buyer is unique. And that's where what we call a situational enablement suffers. Because what then happens is that the sales rep goes in, they don't know whether the content exists. If they think that the content exists, they go on Slack, request something. So it's all like this asynchronous mode of information. And with Enablex, what we are doing is giving organizations an opportunity to complement their scripted enablement with supporting like just-in-time unscripted enablement. So like sales rep can say, hey, I have a buyer who is looking for certain information. I know X, Y, Z about the buyer. Let me share the right collateral with them. And they can do that without talking to a marketer, without talking to a product person. And then there is an analytics part of it, which informs the marketing teams and the enablement teams on how it's going. So the goal is to just help sales reps to be better information brokers within the organization for their buyers so that they can help the buyer solve their purchasing pain and hopefully win more business. There's a few things that were in there that was pretty deep, right? So yeah. there's buyer enablement versus sales enablement. Yeah. Where you landed was on the rep being an information broker yeah. and truly helping the buyer make a good decision. And then there was something that you sort of alluded to in that there's an interactive or a conversation within the organization to get the right content into the salesperson's hand. Is that correct? Yes. I believe that marketing teams, whether they are product marketing teams, they have a scripted view of the world. They define the script of the sales funnel. They define who your ideal customer profile is, who your buyer personas are, and then create collateral matching to that buyer persona. 
But if anybody has been in sales for most of the organization, unless you are selling like something where the sales cycle is less than a couple of weeks, most of the organization, those definitions only go so far when you actually connect with people. So I may come across a buyer and their profile will only match maybe 60%, even though they are head of marketing and I have a buyer persona of marketing leader, there would be like a 50 to 60% match, but then there are that like 30, 40% of the context, which is different, right? And I, as a sales rep, I know the most about that buyer. Once I have talked to a prospect, I know them more than anybody else in my organization, right? Because we have exchange information. I have asked the right question. There is a lot that has been like companies focus on like trying to make sales reps the subject matter experts. And in most of the cases, I think it's impossible to make sales reps subject matter experts because they need to be experts. They need to know about the product. They are not a user of the product. They are the seller of the product, right? In most cases. How about they should be aware and they should know how to broker the right information? Because you already have experts in your organization. The sales rep is the view for that buyer into your organization. Arm your buyer with technology, tool, information so that they can understand the context of the buyer, the specific context, and connect it with the right information. The idea that the sales rep is going to be his or her own sales manager, his or her own subject matter expert, and also, by the way, really good at connecting with people and helping them the value proposition. It's just too much of an expectation, especially for a complex sale. Exactly. If it's a simple sale, then sure, almost anybody becomes expert pretty quickly. But if it's an enterprise or departmental solution of any weight, it's unlikely that the salesperson can be a power user of it and a great salesperson. Exactly. You cannot script this morning, one of our prospects asked us information about a competitor. So we have never come across that competitor before, or we don't even consider them as competitors. So there are these like unscripted uh, situations, and there are a lot of them, I think more than people realize. Like people just feel that, hey, the buyer comes into the awareness stage, then they go into the negotiation proposal stage. I mean, everything is so linear, right? Everything is so like step one, step two, step three, step four. In reality, your buyer comes in at step one, then goes to step two, and then another person from their organization enters step one because it's a buying by community. So now you have like three or four different personas entering at different stages with their own biases and context. And I think that they are sitting on an opportunity to really like increase their win ratio, speed up their pipeline if they enable their sales reps properly. Awesome. So let's move on to the state of the business. You're bootstrapping this business. Yeah. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that feel your pain. It takes a certain amount of bravery, I think, to be willing to do that. So I, you know, I'm, I'm really excited, actually, about how far you've come. Tell us a little bit about the state of the business and who you compete with and you know what you're seeking in terms of financing. Like, What's going to finance the next leg of growth here? Sure. We started in 2017. We had like two customers at the end of 2017. Today, we have like 20 customers. We believe we have like a product market fit. We believe we have carved out a niche. Like we know who our ideal customer is. We have a pretty strong customer success track record. So we know that when we sign up a customer, how to drive success for them, what the playbook is. 
but we have hardly like touched on the marketing side of it, right? So all our deals that we have sourced, most of them have been like outbound, trying to network through our network, right? And finding the right companies and and like engaging with them and then winning the business. But we are turning a corner where we are sort of like establishing like a micro, micro brand. So if you look at like sales enablement space, the challenge that we have with sales enablement, it's a very broad term, right? I mean, you could say that Zoom, the webinar or the meeting conference thing is a sales enabler because it helps salespeople enable their day-to-day work, right? So you have like all these like enablement technologies and training and coaching is one more area, which is a big part of enablement, which we don't do. So we focus on the sales content enablement part of the sales enablement space. And the players in the space, if you know, are... High Spot, Showpad, Seismic. These are the top three players. In fact, just day before yesterday, High Spot announced they raised $200 million Series E at a $2.4 billion valuation. The next two, Showpad and Seismic, both have raised more than $150 million each. So you are looking at these three highly capitalized, right, well-funded companies, and then we enter in this space and we are like, they have like a war chest of dollars to like spend on marketing and stuff. So initially when we entered, I would say that we were completely ignorant. I come from Oracle. I was never exposed to like the traditional digital marketing. And in the early days that helped us. But later on, I think we were a little slow on like catching up on that whole marketing thing. So we compete with these players. The thing that has been working for us is that Sales enablement is no longer like a big company problem. Sales enablement, like 50 people companies, companies with 10 sales reps, 20 sales reps, they are struggling with content. They are struggling with enabling their sales team. So we have been able to like target like a small and mid-sized market sector and go after that market sector with unique capabilities that some of these big vendors cannot offer from a feature function standpoint, from a deployment standpoint, and from just like customer success standpoint. It's a good path to follow helping younger, smaller companies to accelerate their growth. I mean, if you could track along the lines of a HubSpot, for example, that would be just fine. Yeah. Zoho, there's history in the enablement or marketing and sales automation space to target the SMB, as they call it, with a software that they can feel the ROI. And I think you make a really good point. If I've got 15 sales reps, I'm probably building content for them. We're all seeing different scenarios play out and we need yeah. to make sure they have the right content to help them you know, move along a buying by committee situation, right? And that's yeah. likely their, their scenario. So you've been bootstrapped and you're going to go out and start to try and get some money, right? Exactly. So earlier last year, we were of the opinion that we could bootstrap our way through this and not raise any money. And I think the thing that informed that opinion was we were trying to follow the product-led growth model, just build a great product, do proper digital marketing, customers will come in, sign up for our service, see the value, and then pay. We realized that we were wrong in that approach and in that hypothesis. We missed the point that we are not selling to marketing or we are not selling to sales. We are selling to both sales and marketing. In fact, our tool 
or a sales enablement platform is the only tool for majority of the organizations where both sales and marketing use that tool on a daily basis. If you look at it, sales normally uses CRM, marketing uses marketing automation, marketing may use some other branding and creative Adobe or Figma or like, you know, Canva kind of tools. Sales would use Outreach or Salesloft or other kind of like sales optimization tools. But rarely, other than Slack and Microsoft or Google Suite, there's no other app that sales and marketing uses together. That's a really great pitch right there. And I think, you know, I talked about it before, there's a true longing between these organizations to figure out how to work together. Yes. I think addressing that it's not a pain point, it's not a need, it truly is a longing. I think that's a really powerful proposition for a potential investor. So you're looking for seed money, right, to yes. propel growth. What are those funds going to do for you exactly? So I think 80% of those funds are going to be just demand gen. Our challenge is that companies just don't know that we exist. So we are dwarfed by these three big giants in our industry. And they have been around for like much longer than us. Plus, they are very well funded. So we come across like our prospect. They are the ones who look at us on G2 Crowd and they spend those extra five minutes to look at, hey, are there other options? And then come across an Ablex and say, oh, there isn't any. But you being a marketer, you can understand. Not everybody spends that extra five minutes to dig deep. So we need to get our brand and name out. I think we have a unique value proposition, which allows us to target the mid-market sector and really like drive growth from that. So yeah, our demand gen would be the majority of what we will use the funds for. That's a great place to be where you can say to potential investors, hey, I've got a product, I have product market fit, people using my product, I've got you know reasonable ARR for where we are in the life of the company. That's pretty exciting. And I think there's something you touched on, I just want to underline for people that have listened this far, which is that product-led growth, the freemium model, is not necessarily a fit everywhere. If you could just elaborate a little bit on that point. I'll be the first person to admit that I'm enamored by product-led growth, right? When we started Enablex, we only thought of product-led growth. Like We were like, yeah, people will come in, use the product. I read a lot of material on product-led growth. The biggest fundamental value of product-led growth is value realization. Like, when do you realize value? If you and I are in an organization of 100 people and we download Slack and start using Slack, that's immediate value. I don't need the remaining 98 people on the organization to use Slack for me to realize that value. So we immediately start using that thing. If somebody is using Canva as a design tool, they sign up, they create their first postcard or infographic, and that's immediate value. They didn't even have to like take their credit card out and they realize that value. The challenge with sales enablement, because it's a sales and marketing combined app, it comes with its own undercurrents of decision-making, buying process, and a marketer is not just going to stumble upon a tool like Enablex, try using it and make a decision that, yeah, this is good to go. Because they don't realize the value until the content is in there. They don't realize the value until the sales team starts using it. They don't realize the value until they see feedback from the sales team. These things could take weeks, months, depending on the setup of the organization. So automatically, if I'm a marketer and I'm bringing a tool like Enablex, I need buy-in from marketing leadership. 
I need buying from sales leadership. I need buying from sales reps. And there goes the product-led growth model. It's not conducive, at least in today's day and age, it's not conducive to product-led growth. I think this is really important learning. And I got to believe there are other software company founders who are, you are and I am enamored of product-led growth and think that firms like OpenView, who are really banging the drum, leading the way in the research and kind of helping people understand how to manage a software firm through that model, but it doesn't fit everywhere. And we need to, as early as possible, recognize what our go-to-market model is going to be, what our pricing and packaging has to be to be successful. And you could waste a lot of time, right, on product exactly. growth if it doesn't exactly. fit. Absolutely. And the two things that are limited in almost every startup are time and money, and we can't afford to waste either of those. I think with product-led growth also, with what we have seen is, if you are crossing organizations, and if the use case is not completely well understood, I think that sales enablement, a lot of companies still don't understand what sales enablement is, right? Like So if it's not well understood, and if you are crossing the organization, like you are selling something which goes across a couple of departments, then I don't think that the current status of product-led growth is there where it needs to be. Maybe that will change in the future. And hopefully it does, but yeah. Fair enough. So I think it's a great place to land. We've we've uncovered a lot of really valuable insights for potential users of Enablix and also possible people that want to follow in your footsteps. Crazy idea of starting a software company. Yeah, um, really crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I did a, a podcast interview myself. I was a guest and the topic was manifestation that I brought in. And I think as a software founder, you have to be willing to believe you can change a small part of the world, don't you? Exactly. We always believe, a lot of people ask us like, hey, who are your competitors? And we say that our biggest competitor is human behavior. It's like the kitchen pantry analogy, right? The sales and marketing world today is used to living from produce, which is spread across the house. It's not in a single place. Some of it is in one corner of the house, some of it is in another corner of the house. And wouldn't it be great? Like imagine living in a home without a kitchen pantry. The whole household will go crazy. And that's what's happening with organizations. Like there is no kitchen, there is no content pantry. There is no single place. And the whole organization is just myopic, tactical, focused on what this month is happening and the sales shifts are going crazy. So we need to like bring those dots together. And that's what we are doing at Enablix. Awesome. So how do people learn more about Enablix? They can go to enablix.com, E-N-A-B-L-I-X.com, or follow us on LinkedIn. Follow me on LinkedIn. I post a lot about sales enablement regularly on LinkedIn. So happy to connect there. But yeah, enablix.com would be like the first source. Excellent. Well, I want to say thanks very much. Gaurav, this was an amazing interview, actually, and I appreciate the time you shared with me and our listeners. And I want to say good luck to you. And I believe you're going to make it. I think you've got what it takes. So thanks so much. Thanks, Ken. And thanks for having me. All right. And if people want to reach me at the end of the podcast, my contact information will come up and have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency that helps SaaS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales, and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com.
You can email Ken Lempett at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe, and thanks again for listening.